Yeah, surfer, snowboarder, as you say, it's uh, we we like the, the the playgrounds. We we like to look at it. We like to draw a line as an artist on a canvas. Mm -hmm. And to me, I I was not sure about that, but now definitely yes. When I go on the glacier with my plane, I'm riding. I'm like sometimes like this winter. It was like in January. Some yeah, I think January. It snowed so much. We had like such a big amount of powder that I had to land six times on the same track before I could stop. Wow. Because it was so much powder, the, the, the belly of my plane was just touching the powder everywhere. It was like, uh, when I was doing my turn, <laughs> I was White doing out. <laughs> a, a big spray. Like I was free riding, <laughs> and uh, I was I was saying to my passenger, actually we can we we cannot stop at the second landing either the third or the fourth. We have to do much more because otherwise we're gonna get stuck. And he's like, oh, but it's so much fun. Let's go for it. Mm -hmm. So we we did it five or, and we stopped only the sixth time to make sure that we could take off again after after the stop. But that's really a way of riding. With, with the plane as well, you really feel like riding. Good day everyone and welcome to the Stoll Collective episode number 10. 10! We made it! No worries, I definitely won't stop now. So I'm still your host Maxime Compagnon and TSC is all about backcountry, mountain and stall flying mostly in Europe. If you're new to the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and hit that five star button. I finally figured it out how to read all these reviews from the different uh, Apple Podcasts because, you know, Apple is dividing depending on the countries, so it's not always easy to find it out. Please also don't forget to check out our website. We added a lot of content, especially in episode number three with Craig Lahn, who, who just finished an amazing trip in South Africa, and also episode number one with Roland Primus. You can also check out our Instagram and if you want, you just leave me a message either via email or uh, Instagram. Now, on our website, we added a new field, a support field. Well, um, obviously, uh, TSC is a passion-driven project. However, everything has a cost and producing the show is not free so I have the website design hosting and also the significant costs for the audio equipment and hopefully more tours with live recording because you noticed it's it's always better to meet the people and record live definitely so uh, we would be really happy to compensate some of these costs through your support to do so you can use Patreon and become one of our patrons. So just go on our website, you will find the link or you can uh, go on Patreon slash The Stall Collective and you just decide by yourself how much you would like to spend and help us. Every euro counts or dollars, whatever, but uh, 
I, I'm still in Europe, so it will be euros for me. Now, um, I have a big announcement. We are working hard on a book project. This project is called This Tall Collective Volume 1 and it is due to come out at the end of the year and guess what, many of our previous guests will be in the book and I'm really really excited about that project and we will talk about that in our coming episodes and as well on the website, so stay tuned. But for now guys, let's head to our discussion and I tell you, I couldn't be more happier. I'm sure you recognized her already, so I will keep it short. Enjoy! Alright, welcome back to the Stoll Collective, everybody. And today we have a very special guest. I say that every time, but very, very special because she is a legendary snowboarder and she's a legend in base jumping. And as well, for several years now, she has her tail dragger airplane and landing on glacier everywhere in Switzerland. Hi, Geraldine Fasnacht. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Salut, I'm, I'm <laughs> Thank good. you for the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice to have you uh, as our 10th guest and very first um, uh, German is coming in my head. I hate that I have to switch between <laughs> three languages. <laughs> Atle athlete. So you're our first athlete as well. Could you please present yourself, tell us where you're coming from and what did you do in your career and what you do at the moment? And then after that, we will, of course, switch to our main topic, which is backcountry aviation and especially uh, what it means to you and in Switzerland. Uh, so my name is Geraldine Fasnacht. I live in Verbier. It's a big uh, ski resort in Switzerland where most of the mountains are just perfect for free riding. Uh, I moved to this place uh, as I'm from uh, originally uh, a small village above Lausanne. I moved to Verbier when I started competing on high level on uh, the, the Verbier Extreme. The Verbier Extreme is the most uh, extreme competition of the world uh, on a mountain called the Bec des Ross is uh, 55 degrees steep, <laughs> 800 uh, meters uh, long and it's full of rocks and we have to draw a line on uh, this mountain. And this, um, we, we have judges that can tell you which line is the most interesting and the uh, and which line is the best to win. And I won this competition three times. Then I was part of the Freeride World Tour for eight years and had 11 wins on the different stops in the world uh, and 23 podiums. After this career in uh, freeride snowboarding, I decided to, to start some uh, new exploration, drawing some new lines uh, on mountains uh, during my expeditions. 
in Antarctica, in Baffin Island, uh, in Greenland, uh, most of the places where it's very cold because I really like the snow. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to combine my two passions. Uh, my first passion is for sure snowboarding and drawing line on the snow, but also wingsuit flying, base jumping off cliffs and flying with my wingsuit off the cliffs and drawing lines along the ridges of the mountains. And I've been mainly doing this uh, since uh, 1998, I started uh, skydiving. Mm -hmm. In 2001, I started base jumping and wingsuit flying. So that's a little while now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I discovered aviation um, uh, through ultralight plane. Uh, that was... Um, my first uh, experience, and uh, I've been flying now for 11 years on ultralight uh, planes. And uh, now I made uh, my PPL, uh, my private plane license, uh, four years ago, and uh, my qualification on, uh, on the glaciers as a, a glacier plane pilot now, uh, four years ago as well. Ah, that's great. I didn't know you were flying PPL aircrafts on glaciers as well. As well, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, uh, unfortunately, in Switzerland, they are they are open minded for some few things, but not for ultralight aviation. Unfortunately, mm. and uh, if you're not a private plane pilot in Switzerland, you're not allowed to fly an ultralight airplane. So. Ah, I did my license. <laughs> that's interesting because it's something Roland Primus didn't uh, tell me last time when we talked about that, but I assume yeah, it, it just happened a month ago. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. What? Okay. It it was in it was kind of under discussion for a long time. Uh -huh. That's why I decided, as I had time four years ago and a little bit of money on the side, that mm. uh, it was a good thing to maybe do my PPL to not be uh, grounded uh, later on and actually all the ultralight pilot now are even the, the some of the uh, ultralight um, plane pilot that have an ultralight plane they are grounded and they're, they are not able to fly wow. anymore that's extremely yeah. sad I really didn't know about that it's uh um, but for the moment, as this rules just started, um, if you live in Switzerland and you don't have a PPL license, you're not allowed to fly ultralight aircraft. Mm -hmm. But if you live outside of Switzerland, you can, no problem. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Uh, logic. <laughs> and it's the, always the same. Like you don't have ultralight registered in Switzerland. I guess um, most of them are registered in France or Germany well, most, or something like that. Yeah, most of them. But some of them, yes, because a few of them are allowed in Switzerland, but most of them are registered outside okay. of Switzerland. And so to come back to your start in aviation, uh, I assume you you said 11 years ago, so you already had more than 10 years uh, experience in uh, skydiving and base mm -hmm. jumping. So, of course, under a, a parachute, I assume you were flying paragliders maybe as well? Mm-hmm, okay. as well. So yeah, this is just for fun. I don't paraglide so much, but when there is nothing else to do, <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> and uh, because I, I was, uh, I, my my question is um, mountain flying, especially where we are living. So uh, so we are not very far from each other. I would have loved to mm -hmm. meet you and make it in person. Uh, I'm sure we'll have the possibility in the future to meet in the mountains. Uh, we have very unforgiving. We live and fly in very unforgiving terrains. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the experience you had as a uh, free rider, as a skydiver during lines in the mountains already helped you a lot when you started to fly ultralights. Definitely. How uh, how was that phase at the beginning where you started to fly in an, an airplane in the mountains because it's still quite different to what you did before? Yeah, it is. Uh, actually, it was, uh, first of all, with the ultralight, that was quite fun because my instructor was uh, such a really good instructor. I liked him a lot, and but he was super scared about flying over mountains. Oh. So I was like, okay, you learn me everything about flying, and I bring you up to the mountain with the ultralight plane. And <laughs> it was a really cool time we had together. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so we've been flying a lot together in the mountains, and which is cool because I know uh, the area so well because I've been riding so many places with my snowboard that I know the terrain. I, I know exactly where to go with my ultralights to gain some altitude, to have some good uh, uh, upwinds, I mean, uh, lift with um, mm -hmm. thermal winds. So he was super happy to be able in the mountain with me like that and I've learned a lot with him as a as a pilot and then uh, I flew for uh, five years uh, there in Salange uh, that's where I've started ah, okay. and uh, after Salange uh, I've moved to um, to fly a bit more in Switzerland because I wanted to write some faces uh, in Switzerland as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, actually now I'm really more based in Switzerland and it's where I've done my private plane license as well. In Sion, Yes, in, I started in Bay and then I did mm -hmm. my glacier pilot license in Sion. And it's funny that you say that it's helped a lot because for sure it helped a lot. Uh, as I finished my private plane license, I asked uh, straight uh, after I had my license in my pocket, the instructor, yeah, now I have my license. Can we, uh, can I start the glacier pilot license with you? And he's like, oh yeah, for sure. But um, it takes some time. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But um, it was uh, the 21st or 22nd of December. Mm -hmm. We had a meeting together. And it was like, oh, it takes uh, two, three seasons. And I'm like, what do you mean, two, three seasons? And what is a season for you? And he said, uh, winter season. And I'm like, what do you mean, three years to, to complete the Glacier Pilot License? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I looked at him like with, big eye, with my big eyes uh, open and he was like, because uh, when do you want uh, this uh, license completed? And I'm like, actually, we are in December and I would love to be a glacier pilot in March. <laughs> <laughs> because I have some plans for Mar March, April, May to go riding some beautiful mountains around <laughs> the Alps. And he's like, 
Okay. So let's see. Maybe um, because he was not always available. So uh, I had two instructors to 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 do uh, my license. And they said, actually, let's see your level and we, we're going to see if it's uh, doable or not. And in, uh, I completed my uh, Glacier Pilot license beginning, it uh, uh, was the end of February, beginning of March. I, I've done the, yeah, the end of February, he told me, you're ready for the exam, so book your exam. And beginning of March, I did the exam and I finished. Something to clarify, did you have already an experience on, on skis or landing in the mountains on wheels with ultralights before yes. doing that? Because mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, but really few. Mm -hmm. Really few. And actually with a with a big airplane is with a P eighteen is really more simple than with an ultralight mm -hmm. because it's much more heavy, but the engine is is much more pow powerful. So if you have a The wrong angle, you can just, yeah, yeah. you get just put more power. Um, and if the winds are a little bit stronger, it doesn't really matter. But with an ultralight, it's, it's really, it does really matter. So I said, they hate, pilots said, <laughs> the pilots hates when you say that, that it's more technical to fly an ultralight plane in the mountain than a plane. Yeah. So they will hate me, but actually, for me, this is definitely the case. <laughs> I think all the people, most of all the people listening to the podcast, will agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and actually, I think my experience in the mountains, as since 15 years old, I'm training for extreme competitions and free riding competition. I'm used to look at the mountain. And know exactly how the snow is. I don't need to touch the snow. I know which snow I'm going to get. Uh, I don't need to be at the top of the ridge to understand from where is coming the wind and how it's blowing and where the avalanche danger is going to be. Uh, I just look at it and I'm done. Uh, so this helped me so much, but I'm, I, I understand that if you are Uh, starting a glacier pilot license and you have absolutely no experience in the mountain, that's a really tough, tough license. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, it was supposed to be my next question about your experience as a freerider to read the mountain and uh, to read the signs to give you hints about how is the weather, how is the wind, where it's coming from, where is it dangerous, where is it not dangerous, where I can use updraft to fly higher or not so um yeah you just said and i think mm -hmm. the, the it's leading to the next one and uh i've asked it to some people and they have different opinions so i think as a snowboarder um you have an eye to search for lines as you said already in the and you want to make these lines beautiful And I think it's it's a creativity. And um, I have this fancy that uh, because we are riding either a snowboard, a skateboard, why not? Like when I walk in the in the city, I see some spots. Sometimes I'm I will never be able to ride them as a skateboarder because I'm so bad. But I will <laughs> think ah that guy could be able to do something there. So I think we have that creativity as a snowboarder, surfer, skateboarder to see things differently, even for our airplanes. 
and and we are searching for different things, different spot to land on. Yeah, definitely. And as yeah, surfer, snowboarder, as you say, it's uh, we we like the, the the playgrounds. We we like to look at it. We like to draw a line as an artist on a canvas. Mm-hmm. And to me, I. I was not sure about that, but now definitely, yes, when I go on the glacier with my plane, I'm riding. I'm like, sometimes like this winter, it was like in January, some, yeah, I think in January, it snowed so much. Mm -hmm. We had like such a big amount of powder that I had to land six times on the same track before I could stop. Wow. Because it was so much powder, the, the, the belly of my plane was just touching the powder everywhere. It was like, uh, when I was doing my turn, <laughs> I was <White> doing out. <laughs> a, a big spray, like I was free riding. <laughs> and uh, I was, I was saying to my passenger, actually, we can, we, we cannot stop at the second landing, either the third or the fourth. We have to do much more because otherwise we're going to get stuck. And he's like, Oh, but it's so much fun. Let's go for it. <laughs> so we, we did it five or, and we stopped only the sixth time to make sure that we could take off again after, after the stop. But that's really a way of riding with, with the plane as well. You really feel like riding. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, personally, I had skis. I had these datum as well on my bird, but uh, we it's not so easy in South Bavaria, south of Munich. I have uh, yeah, I have a lot of travel to access glaciers and uh, and the season is short for me, so I had to choose. But uh, I'm sure yeah. in the future I will come back to ski flying. That would be yeah. great. Yeah, you you really definitely should or move for a week. To the Alps, uh, to the south of the Alps in Switzerland or in in France as well. They have some beautiful place, but it's more in summer uh, with a lot of um, landing place with the big wheels. But for, for glacier landing in Switzerland, definitely we are really lucky. Mm. Yeah, bush wheel landings I, I, I do all the time. It's uh, mm-hmm. either in Italy or... Um, or in in France as well, so that's not it. But the ski ski flying is um, at the moment not an option on my side, but uh, I'm sure it will come back later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you're mostly flying a lot in Switzerland these last years, as I noticed on on Swiss glaciers. Yeah. How do you, uh, uh, I want to ask this tricky question, um, how, because you noticed, unfortunately, we have some issues in France. Um, I say we, but I don't live in France anymore. But um, like the Corona crisis uh, pushed many, many people in the mountains, which is in one way nice, you know, people enjoying nature. But I have the feeling there are these last years, there are so many people coming to the mountains that now they are noticing us more and more. I mean, yeah. pe- pilots. And uh, the, let's say it's quite tense in France at the moment, as I can read it or talk with some friends. Do you, uh, what is what is the, I, I have no idea how is everything running in Switzerland in a moment at the moment. Do you have, is it, still more tolerated do you have less problems 
I'm not saying that uh, because people should come over to Switzerland, but I hope that there is more comprehension on the uh, on the other side. I would say so in Switzerland, for example. I I would say these troublemakers or jealous people everywhere in the world. Mm. So everywhere you're gonna find someone that hates. Uh, pilots or aircraft or heli heli skiing or whatsoever. Uh, what I like in Switzerland is that we have um, we have places where we can land. We cannot land everywhere, but we have few spots uh, which are much less than it was before. Because mm -hmm. for sure the ecologists are pretty good as well in Switzerland to try to erase everything on the map. Um, But still, we we have uh, some we have a good playground, and we try to fight to keep it as much as we can. Uh, hope for a few years. I hope for a long time for the next generation as well. Let's see what future brings to us. Mm -hmm. But for sure, there is people fighting against us, like everywhere in the world, um, and that's why also I'm I'm flying more ultralight than airplane because my ultralight is making much less noises, uh, is uh, using much less gas as well. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I like much more flying my, my ultralight because a lot of time when I land on glaciers, I have uh, still last week, I landed on in front of my house, a big glacier at 3,500 meters. And, uh, Uh, it's where they heli ski as well from the top, and it was some people skinning up to the summit, uh, meeting some other heli skiers, and and they they were coming down together, and they stopped by my by my plane and saying, "Wow, uh, what is it? Because we saw you going up, because we were skinning up, but it was." Barely no, I mean, barely no noise, not no noise, but so, so much less than a big plane. Yeah. And I can understand I'm skinning as well a lot in the mountains. And uh, there is a lot of different uh, planes flying and s few of them are really, really noisy. And I can understand that when you are not a pilot, uh, yeah, it can be, it can be a problem. And that's why I'm. Uh, I prefer to fly planes that are less, uh, much less noisy. But I think it's it's sensible everywhere. I don't think in Switzerland we will escape to these kind of problems. Mm -hmm. It's just that what I like is that these clear rules where we can land, and if the people, the skiers that are skinning up to the mountain, they don't want to see us, they have more than enough other mountains around mm -hmm. to go skinning on. Yeah. And uh, it's completely um, stupid to skin up a mountain where we are able to heli-ski or land with a plane if you don't want to see uh, helicopters or planes, mm -hmm. <laughs> to my point of view. But then, yeah, and I think that we have to understand as well that uh, the nature and that the world is to everyone and that we have to learn how to share the places and live all together. Yep. But this is not the point of view of everybody. <laughs> mm. I couldn't more agree with mm. you. Um, and I, I think about the noise, um, there, it's always, I like to say uh, you choose 
you choose um I don't want to say weapon, but uh, you choose your tool for the mission, and it you have to look at uh, okay. Uh, most of the people like us flying in the mountains, we do this either alone or with one passenger. Mm -hmm. Like how many people are flying and landing on the glaciers with more than one passenger, and. Ultralight airplanes with their engines, as you said, they are so quiet compared mm. to so many other ones. I love classical airplanes. Uh, of course, I love a Mousquetaire. I love a, a Super too. Cub. Me too. They are beautiful <laughs> ones. But it's just like, okay, um, if I'm alone, uh, what? What's? it makes no sense. Uh, um, I don't like really that uh, to say sense because, but it doesn't... It, if you're alone or two people, it's it's still better and I think more respectful to maybe to fly with an ultralight because you'll be way quieter. Okay, mm -hmm. we still have the sa the issues you said about the weight and uh, it might be s more technical sometimes. But um, I think the, it's, there should be a change of paradigm that people should see more and more. Yeah, maybe uh, ultralight aircrafts or smaller engines are um, our best option to keep w what we are doing. I, I think so, and I agree totally with what you say. But then if you speak with most of the pilots that are old school pilots that likes old airplanes, they will not agree at all with this. And they would even say, and I've heard that so many times, that ultralight airplanes are not real planes, and they would never, ever... Uh, fly this kind of uh, of plane, but these kind of pilots are as well maybe much too fat to fly ultralight airplanes, and they will not be able to fly in the mountains with an ultralight airplane. Mm, yeah. And I can understand that we are also with the weight; we are so limited because of the the power of the engine mm. uh, and uh, and just the the weight of the engine as well and the, the the gas we can bring with us, that if we want to fly with someone and we are a bit overweight, uh, for sure the option is only the plane. It will not be possible to have an ultralight airplane. Yeah, I agree. So this I can also understand and that few old pilots will never, ever agree with what we say right mm -hmm. now. <laughs> yeah, it might be a generation topic as well. Probably. It's, um but uh, yeah, there are there are things are changing. I mean, in in Germany with 600 kilo ultralights, you can have a you can have a uh, 150 horsepower Rotax in your plane. So I think the power won't really be uh, an issue anymore in the future. Mm. Um, and the mass is is getting close to uh, US LSAs. So uh, so. There will be very capable planes uh, and in the future. So yeah, for definitely. sure. And now I've been, I've been trying even myself, but I, I finally uh, send send it back. Uh, I had a, a turbo on my engine. I had a nine fourteen turbo mm -hmm. uh, from Edge Performance uh, to because I was sure that was. Uh, the good option for the mountain, but actually I had so many problems 
with it that I hope the turbo will be an option in the future that they can really work on having a good turbo engine for ultralight airplanes that are not using uh, so much gas as well. Uh, and like that, we can have more power on an ultralight airplane. Uh, so because of all the troubles I had with this engine, I came back to a 912, 9, 912 uh, ULS. Uh, oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, a normal one. Uh, yeah, I had two big issues with it, and I really had to stop to fly with this oh, that's engine. That's sad. I'm astonished because usually yeah. they have good, very good products for much performance. So, uh, yeah, actually, but my 912 is also, uh, my big bore is also from Edge Performance. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, the, the turbo, I don't know if they used it a lot in the high mountains, because I fly here around my house only in, I mean, where it's interesting, mm -hmm. it starts from 9,000 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, nine, nine, yeah, 9,000 feet start to be interesting. And it, I'm going up to 14,500 feet. And I land on 14,400 feet mm -hmm. and take off on the Moros. So I need a strong engine, uh, but I need also power and strong engine. And I think the turbo is maybe not strong enough for the moment and need to be more tested uh on in the altitude i had too much troubles mm -hmm. yeah um, if you look okay the the best example could be trent palmer because he has a rotax 915 is in his kit fox and where he lives and fly uh um flies he has a lot of density altitude issues so so they have desert everywhere but actually when they fly they are most of the time above 8000 9000 sometimes 10000 feet even more density altitude so it's mm -hmm. almost similar to what you have mm -hmm. um, and uh but there is and and it works really good there is something else i don't know if you noticed there is a french company and also a Greek company uh, which are developing a turboprop for ultralight airplanes. Yeah, I've seen that mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, but I'm, I came back to a normal uh, Rotax now because I just wanted to release myself for a while and not uh, having any more trouble. Um, uh, and yeah, I'll, I'll let them test it as much as they can <laughs> see how it's working and maybe I'll Probably I can. Uh, I will order such a such an engine later on. Because for what you do, it could be really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they are even yeah for sure. They are even thinking about coupling it to uh, an electric motor, so you mm -hmm. have the turbine to generate the uh, the voltage, and then you use the electric motor. Okay. Yeah. This I so, didn't know. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a good option. They have two two different one with a gearbox and one with uh, an electric motor. So same same weight. I think so. Yeah, yeah, similar. Okay. Yeah. Mm, good. Mm -hmm. So I'm <laughs> good I'm, I'm looking forward to to more videos and data from that French company because they're apparently they want to release the engine at the end of the year. Okay. Mm. Okay, good yeah. to know. So it's going to be interesting, definitely.
So I'll wait for the next five years and then maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, one. I wonder about the price because uh, uh, turboprop are usually very expensive to purchase. But uh, after that, it's it's easier and to maintain and not so expensive. But um, purchase price might be quite high. I don't know. Good things uh, need to be paid. Huh? Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> Let's come back to your ultralight because we uh, yeah. we didn't talk about it. Um, so you have an ICP Savannah tail dragger. Um, yeah. What what pushed you to to choose that that specific ultralight airplane? I want uh, uh, for first of all, I like uh, I like the shape of it. Mm -hmm. I find it beautiful. <laughs> so that's the most important for the girls, for sure. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted to have a plane that uh, can fit everywhere, uh, and most mostly in the mountains. Uh, and this one with uh, the, the landing gear Beranger is just. Uh, Perfect for the mountain to land in summer and winter everywhere. And I'm using my plane to go riding, so I needed a little bit of space inside. Uh, I like to have someone sitting ne next to me and not behind. Okay. Um, yeah, to share, you know, the, the moment. Uh, so that was all the things why I did choose the Savannah. And it's a, it's a strong aircraft. It's, a, it's not, a, you know, uh, I started on a P, uh, 92. Technam, Technam P9, mm -hmm. yeah, Technam P92. And actually with the Technam, uh, I like it a lot, but this is a perfect aircraft to land on airports. But bringing a Technam P, uh, P92 for me, It was looking more uh, fragile than the Savannah. The Savannah, for me, is, uh, is just a bush plane you can land everywhere and it's yeah. never broken, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really choose, uh, for my type of flights, uh, yeah. the, the Savannah. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's exactly, we are, we are back to uh, you choose your plane depending on what you exactly want to do with it. Mm -hmm. And we have special needs compared to to many other people so uh so we choose accordingly to them mm -hmm, and uh, exactly so i wanted to ask you about some special features you <laughs> added to your plane so you talked about the alaskan landing gear from from beranger do you mm -hmm. have some other special small features you added to your plane to to make it easier for you yeah some uh, some uh, little socks on the beranger landing gear to to clip my snowboard on ah cool <laughs> okay uh, so i can clip skis or snowboards on both sides of the beranger gear and uh, like that i can bring uh, someone with me to go riding mm -hmm. um, i also um But actually, uh, uh, for the moment, I never really needed to use them so much. But I can clip also uh, bags below uh, the Savannah. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's bags that uh, were made really for my plane I that are really part. fitting. Yeah. But I clip them. So the clips are on the plane and it's the same clips that you're using for uh, the harness of the paragliders. Ah. 
So you just clip on and clip out like that. If I need to put my tent or something to sleep on the mountain, I just put my tent and and uh, my um, my stove, stove inside yeah. it mm-hmm. below the plane like that. I don't need to have that inside the the, the plane with me. Mm-hmm. And if I have a little bit more gear that cannot fit inside the plane, I just clip it under the the belly of the plane and I can fly up. <laughs> oh. Okay, we have very similar approach. I don't have a pinpot <laughs> yet, but the surfboard has been fixed under the belly of my plane I've already. I've seen your picture. It's <laughs> super cool. <laughs> I was very uh, astonished because uh, it worked pretty good and it's very easy. It's just stuck inside the landing gear and then fixed to the yeah. uh, to the fuselage. Worked yeah, perfectly. I was I was thinking about the snowboard, putting the snowboard as well below the the aircraft, like you did with your surfboard. And actually, it can fit as well. One of my friends uh, is using uh, is using it like this, but it's just for. I mean, I find it much more beautiful mm-hmm. on the side. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, on the side of the landing gear, it looks really cool. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you for because um, a good friend of mine, Hombi, so Rudy Homberger, he was doing with his Savage aircraft. He was doing a lot of uh, ski, uh, backcountry ski flying as well. And mm-hmm. but he was fixing his skis, so you have snowboards. So I I assume it's better to fix them on the side of the landing gear. He was fixing his skis on the struts. Yeah, I've seen wings. that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which is also an option. Uh, another friend of mine was putting his skis the same way, and it worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think with skis, yeah, with snowboard, it takes more air. It's really wider. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good option. So I never tried. Yeah, or if it's a split board, you could split it already and have the two skis fixed together. But well, as I, well, I mean, yeah, 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 it could be possible to to do it like this with a split board. But uh, yeah, I like it this way. Yeah. It's m- closer to the to the plane, and yeah, on the wing is uh, is further out. So mm. yeah, I don't know. It's, I I think for me, it's uh, it feels better to have them closer to to me closer to the center of mm. gravity mm. then it's the best choice yeah you feel better <laughs> like that <laughs> uh, yeah and it works quite well i've done it uh, now uh, a lot and uh, yeah i never had any issue mm-hmm. and uh, yeah the the plane is uh, is really good for that and yeah it, it looks yeah, it's super cool to just clip your board on the on the gear and leaving in the morning from the airport, landing on the glacier and go riding. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really um, um, it's really wild and 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 cool and I, I really like this and it was always a dream to me since I was a kid. I really wanted to be a pilot uh, since ever, mm-hmm. but I knew it was something that. That would be impossible to to reach for me because it was so expensive. So when I turned uh, sixteen, yeah, I was already seventeen actually. When I finally end up finding a solution to be a pilot, I thought the only solution for me to be able to to pay a plane pilot license would be to do uh, the military service, mm-hmm. and I applied for this. Ah. Um, uh, and unfortunately in Switzerland, if you apply after your 16 years old birthday, it's too late and they don't even consider your, 
your request. 16. So they, yeah, you have to be not over 16. Well, that's worse than in France. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so actually they, they refused my request and uh, I was like, okay, fine. Um, th things happen for a reason. And then I did my apprenticeship uh, for three years uh, for Suisseur at the at Geneva airport. Mm -hmm. And uh, working in the office as a, uh, uh, it was a commercial uh, apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. So I did every four to six months in a different department in the airport, which was super interesting. But at the end of this, I applied for uh, uh, to be on the ground as a load controller. Mm -hmm. And I did my uh, load controller license and stayed for, for two other years. Uh, I mean, not even two years, a little bit less, because then I was invited to compete Okay. On the Verbi Extreme. Okay. <laughs> so my my life changed again. But I was already really close to the planes with this idea to be uh, able to be a pilot one day. As a load controller, I was uh, more next to the more next to the plane, not able to fly, but mm -hmm. I was preparing everything else. So that, which was pretty cool as well. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, uh, we didn't talk about it, but uh, back to your uh, beloved Savannah. You, I think you told. Did you tell me that you gave a, a name to your Savannah? Yeah, my uh, Savannah is called Romeo. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flying away with my Romeo everywhere. So, yeah, because it's my best friend. I've been flying with my Romeo pretty far away, actually, uh, mm -hmm. to. To uh, Venezia, then to Bovec in uh, Slovenia, ah. to mm -hmm. go base jumping with my friends there, and then flying over the Dolomites back to Switzerland, and a lot in the Alps in Switzerland, a lot in France as well. So uh, for sure, it's my super good friend, and uh, cool. so I give him a, a cool name. <laughs> That's great. Everybody should do that. <laughs> I assume you talk to your plane when you're flying alone with it. Yes, as well, yes, sometimes. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> who's not doing it? <laughs> well, I don't know who is not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I'm 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 a glider pilot too. So so and uh, I, I will always consider myself as a glider pilot, even though I'm s flying on on motorized airplane for uh, many years now. Is it something you're, you would have been or you are interested in uh, flying gliders as well? Yes, yes, Because yes. Because Sion has a huge history uh, about flying gliders and especially uh, Switzerland, of course. Yeah, I definitely uh, like uh, gliders. I like, I started uh, flying Arche Archaeopteryx. Ah, mm-hmm. Because here in Verbier, we can take off from Krotker with the Arche Archaeopteryx. Ah, cool. And so you just run down the, the, the mountain, then you fly with your Archaeopteryx. And, but I just started. I'm not, uh, I did not complete the license yet, mm -hmm. so I need a few flights more. Um, but yeah, this is the goal because uh, at home I can, I can play with it. So uh, that's why as well I choose a Savannah because I can land at Croix de Coeur. It's just... Uh, 20 minutes above my house, I can go with my bike. Uh, 
Okay. I take my bike, I go up to Kroatger, I take my plane, I go flying, I land back uh, in Kroatger, and then oh. I come back home. So this is also why I choose uh, to fly Archaeopteryx and not bigger glider. Mm-hmm. How do you transport it to to the alti surface in Kroatger? So is there, ah, there's a, str- I think there's a, you can, with your car, you can access yeah. it as well. Mm-hmm. There is a road, and uh, now, um, uh, which is really good, we have a, a strong uh, team uh, that are in love with Croix de Coeur uh, Airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we, we are all really um, uh, trying to always make it better and better through the years. And now we can really park on the side of the uh, airport with the big, um, uh, the big trailer and uh, we just open the trailer and we bring out the Archaeopteryx and it's pretty cool. I would have to post and some pictures of, of that glider because I'm sure many people, especially in the US, they don't really know that kind of ultralight <laughs> glider. Which is this is a, the coolest yeah. ultralight glider in the world. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> and uh, actually the... The figure of the Archaeopteryx is living here in Verbier. Huh? Ah, uh-huh. Philippe Bernard, he is the one who has been testing this uh, Archaeopteryx uh, since the beginning. And he is my coach, actually. <laughs> He's <laughs> <Perfect>. my instructor. <laughs> and he, he is flying this Archaeopteryx all the time, trying to make more distance every time. And yeah, it's very much fun watching this Archaeopteryx flying around. Ah, that's cool. I definitely have to visit you and see that as well. That's yeah, great. and the community here is quite big. And we have the airport of B and Sion so close. Mm-hmm. We have also lots of pilots there that are coming to Croix to visit. And every... Two years, but so because of COVID did not happen for sure. But <laughs> every two years, normally, we we are making a meeting at Croix de Coeur, and uh, even a PC12 could land uh, last time. Mm-hmm. But we had I don't remember how many different aircraft and helicopters and uh, ultralight uh, aircraft coming from. France, Italy, Germany, uh, all around Switzerland. That was so cool. In 2019 was the last one? That was in 2019. Yeah, yeah, probably 2019 or 2020. Uh, Yeah, 2019, sorry. Mm -hmm. That was the last one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I really hope. Or 2018, maybe the last one. Yeah, and it was going to happen in 20, but because of COVID did not, and it should happen uh 22 but as it did not happen last year maybe we do uh, something little party this summer already mm, that would be great <laughs> yes i will let you know if we oh, yes, finally please. end up doing something yeah. already this summer because yeah. of last summer it did not happen yeah i'm planning on visiting friends in the french alps as well so so there is a nice association called jenzel maybe mm-hmm. you know they are promoting uh, flying activities towards young people. And uh, it's just, I, I love their mentality because we talked about, I, I respect a lot uh, the, uh, or Shiban, so old uh, guys um, having so much experience and so many stories. 
on the other hand, I notice in in that association, it doesn't matter what you fly. Like, uh, and for me, it's it doesn't matter what you fly. Flying is mm-hmm. is cool. So, and if you fly a paraglider or if you fly a a, a business jet, everything's cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm definitely uh, like you for that. Mm. It's uh, it's just flying that which makes us. Uh, we are co- uh, connected together yeah definitely and uh, so we talked a lot about um, ski flying and um, what about bushwheel flying bushwheel flying it's, so I have uh, it's going to start for me uh, in June probably mm-hmm. uh, mid of June usually I leave the skis on my plane until uh, my birthday until the 18th of June uh, most of the time I go landing uh, on glacier <laughs> <laughs> I go <laughs> I go landing on the glacier uh, for my birthday still and after my birthday I change to the big wheels mm-hmm. and the big wheels I leave them on until October and already beginning of November, I put the skis on. <laughs> <laughs> so the season of uh, big wheels are uh, is pretty small, mm-hmm. but um, here we are in the Alps. The mountains are uh, so so big. We are really early on the snow, mm-hmm. but it's pretty cool because I, I like this feeling with the big wheels landing on the on the grass on the on the high mountains. It's super much super fun. Mm-hmm. Did you have already some experience in Italy uh, on gravel bars along rivers and or maybe No. No. Not in Italy, not in Italy. In France, I, I go quite often uh, around Courchevel, Val d'Isère, mm-hmm. uh, Meribel, this area. There's a lot of uh, high altitude uh, uh, landing places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, in Switzerland unfortunately we have only Croix de Coeur. Uh, that's the only one which is open in summer. Uh, but I live in this place, I know why. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to go in Italy and also learn how to or do my license on the on the water as well in Italy. Oh yeah, then you should definitely uh, get in contact with Fabio mm-hmm. Guerra because uh, he is the chief instructor in uh, Brescia. Yeah. And uh, so he he flies a savage on floats f- already for I would say ten years, and he was all our last guest, and uh, he's probably the 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 one having the most experience, so uh, huge experience on floats, and um, and he's uh, landing on the Garda Lake with his savage aircraft on the uh, on the Po River, etc. So um, if you want to have some float ratings, you should contact him. So that's perfect. Like yeah. that I can... Because I've been quite a lot uh, close to Lago de Garda with my plane to to b- go base jumping. So I can also ah. do some, uh, <laughs> some landing on the water with him. It mm-hmm. could be cool. Right, you can, he has a private uh, strip. So you can land at his place and then and then check that. I will send you oh, his contact yeah, data. Please. Yeah, please. I would yeah, love yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I can base jump and then fly with him yeah. and then go base jump and back home. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and he's actually developing new floaters with bush wheels inside. Okay, so yeah. I'm definitely interested because mm. for the moment I'm not super. Um, 
yeah, I didn't find really good flutters uh, for, uh, and the only one that most of the people have, you need to wait for so long to get them. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if maybe he's doing something good. It could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a long project. Um, he's been working on it for the past six years. And his dream is to combine the uh, possibilities you have with bush wheels, obviously not huge ones, so more like 26 yeah. inches, um, with floaters. So he managed to develop floaters with bush wheels inside, uh, having dampers also, so suspensions, and also he's using baby bush wheels up front. So it's still okay. a four-wheeler. And uh, he's able to achieve a 25 centimeter clearance between the bottom of the floater and the ground. So okay. 25 is already quite a lot compared to normal float planes. Uh-huh. And, uh, and his dream is to do that, to be able to land on gravel bars on the bush wheels, but still having the floaters. Okay. So mm. very interesting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. Um, I think we are coming along to our final questionnaire, which is a tradition during the podcast. So okay. I have to ask <laughs> so quick questions and, uh, and there are some quick answers. And because we are with you today, normally it's called the uh, Bolter questionnaire. So our last time it was the splash and dash because Fabio is uh, flying float planes. So now today I will call it the Po check questionnaire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Pow, pow. <laughs> <laughs> the Pow, pow questionnaire. So the first question is tail dragger or nose dragger? Yeah, plane. Oh, tail. Tail. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, now, what is your the favorite plane you've flown so far? Flying myself or been uh, been sitting in? <laughs> I think it doesn't matter. Um, I would say flying myself is my savanna because I fly where I love to fly in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one I, I prefer to fly in the mountains. But otherwise, um, an incredi- incredible airplane I've been flying in, and that was one of my dream, uh, dreams since I was a kid, was the Constellation. Ah, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that was really, really beautiful plane. Where did you have I the possibility to fly with Connie? In Switzerland, ah. um, on a special event, and this uh, plane is uh, was bringing us around for a uh, scenery tour, and it was just fantastic to fly in this, yeah, historical plane. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, yeah, I couldn't more agree. So mm. to do that too, awesome. Um, now, hmm, um, bush wheels, skis, or floats? Skis. <laughs> easy question. Easy question. <laughs> okay, the next one will be easy as well because it's it's normally it's mountain spot on bush wheels or skis or gravel bar because usually you know for off airport spots it's either mountain or gravel bars for example. Mm-hmm. So I assume it will be straightforward for that as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no skiing definitely. Mm. 
But you have to you have to check the Italian gravel bars, so I can show you some place as well yeah, if you want. Please. So uh, it's it's really um it's and it's close to your place. You know, you're not so far. Mm -hmm. Did you fly? I didn't ask you. Um, are you often in uh, Chamois? Chamonix. No, in Chamois. Cha Chamois. Uh, Altiporto di Chamois. Ah you know, no. Um, it's just south of uh, of Matterhorn. No, no, I'm not so often. But actually, I fly often uh, close to Cervinia, but I'm I never landed there. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, actually, that could be good to be to go there once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You should check it out. And and mm -hmm. just a little bit east of Chamois is uh, Altiporto di Mediana, mm -hmm. and it's the uh, private uh, mountain strip of uh, Alberto Marchini, who is the uh, the owner of Marchingenio. You know the company. Okay. Marchingenio, maybe. So Mediana. Uh -huh. And it's a very, very nice, uh, very narrow, short mountain strip. Okay. And uh, and uh, you will love it. It's just uh, it's wonderful to land there and and sleep in for the night. It's it's quite remote, and uh, and very nice. And close to Saint Vincent. Okay, but now it's not so close to Chavigna actually. It's a little bit more south. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I know. I yeah. can see that. And I then, if you're there, if you're there, you just fly 45 minutes to the south, uh, south, and you already reach uh, the f the first gravel bar spots along the Po River. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. So. So it's pretty close to to me actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. The Lago Maggiore is just around the corner as well. So yeah. Yep. You should do that. Yeah. I have the map in front of me. I can mm -hmm. exactly see what you mean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> now, uh, oh, it's not a tricky question. Uh, do you have a sp specific mishap you already have in the backcountry with with or in the mountains with your plane? You could you could share. Uh, it can be a funny anecdote, uh, or it could be you know a, a pretty cool lessons learned for you which you could share to, to all of us, because maybe mm. we would not make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, it's, what, it's why I decided to change my turbo. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it happened to me once to have a failure, but I was above a, uh, an airport, so it was, it was okay. And then they, they, uh, I had the five... Uh, five um, pistons broken so they changed the pistons they changed everything and they didn't know why it did happen and then uh, the mechanic did come and fly with me again and told me that everything was fine now and then I was okay but still you know you don't feel really well after something like that even you were on a on an airport and nothing happened mm -hmm. so every time I'm when I'm flying now, I'm aware of uh, my environment, where I am, where I can land, where, uh, at which altitude I'm going to put my skis on or release my skis because uh, in case of any trouble, I, I can land there, there or there. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, it probably saved my life uh, on the last uh, 
failure I had with this uh, turbo engine because I was um, flying uh, in in front of the Matterhorn. My uh, my friend was taking some pictures of the Matterhorn, and suddenly I have a I had the oil pressure uh, that was going deeply down, mm-hmm. and I said to my passenger. Um, we were supposed to go back to Sion and I said, we're not going straight back to Sion because I, I didn't want to be over the valley where we cannot land if uh, I had issue with the oil pressure. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was a failure of the instrument or if it was a real engine failure. So I just, it flew away from the, from the Matterhorn and I, and I knew I could land on the glacier in case I had to cut the engine Mm -hmm. and suddenly the oil uh, dropped again uh, and I decided to turn off my engine and I said to my friends, uh, we're going to land here and check what's going on. And the time I was uh, flying without engine towards the glacier to land on the glacier, I even had the the oil... uh, Le joint, ah, the the joint uh, of the, the joint. oil mm-hmm. that did break, and I had full of oil uh, on the window, oh. and I couldn't see in front of me, so I had to land, looking outside from the side of my window, and I landed safely on the glacier because I was trained enough to land without engine as well. So mm-hmm. it's always good to train and do it yourself as well, and that I like to to train all the time to land without engine. And now I know <laughs> why it's good. <laughs> wow, you <laughs> really had I, a catastrophic engine. Yeah. Wow, okay. And and actually everything uh, went really good because I was trained before and I did not panic. And my friend, when we land, said, so what's going on, what we should do? And I'm like, just go out because I don't know if it's going to turn on fire. Yep. We went out of uh, the plane and uh, nothing happened, no fire. But for sure, uh, we will never, ever fly again mm. to Sion with the engine like this. So, And that's, that's why, that's why um, I decided to change this, uh, this engine and definitely not wait for a third problem mm. in the air uh, and send it back to, to Norway. Okay. And now I'm, um, I mean, I'm a mom. I've been exposed. I did expose myself enough with my uh, extreme competitions. I'm a base jumper. I'm a wingsuit flyer. But I like to choose when I expose myself or not. I don't want to be exposed because of an engine engine failure. So I was really angry about this uh, issue. And I just said, okay, now it's, for sure, for me, more power in the mountain is more uh, security. But when more security and more power end up putting you in danger because it's not working the right way, it's better to go back to a normal engine. Maybe expect a little bit less or go higher in a little bit more time uh, and calculate a little bit more the way to bring on board. But at least you are safe. Yeah, I totally mm. agree. It's uh, more reliability than than more yeah. power. Mm. In the mountain, it's um, you. You can be quite alone, you know, when you <laughs> land, 
And hopefully where we landed on Teodil Glacier is on the slopes of Zermatt. It's all right. We are not in the middle of nowhere. But it can end up that you are in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And it can be a, a, a catastrophic failure at some point. Uh, but it was not. And it was a good, for me, a good experience uh, to understand that now, okay, less power, but more security. Mm. I think the, the, the yes and the most important point here I see personally is the training and I'm a bit, big advocate for uh, let's say training all the time for specific mm -hmm. uh, issues and uh, also because it makes it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's so like much it fun too. to to <laughs> it's so much fun to land without engine. So uh, of course mm -hmm. when you train, but. Um, But if something happens, then you're less uh, astonished about the issue you have if you trained a lot before. For sure. The same and also, it, it's, it's also about the, the mountain, but also about what you bring with you. You know, on board, I knew that if I would have an issue, I had everything on board with me. I had a hot tea, I had a harness, a ropes, uh, uh, everything to walk on the glacier, to, to be in a hut and wait for 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 the rescue so this is really important and if uh it would end up uh this kind of thing uh this kind of thing would end up to happen to me on the glacier where i have no connection i have my in reach with me i can always send my alarm Uh, I mean, I don't need to call on the radio station, Mayday, please, someone can reach me, uh, someone can call the rescue for me. No, I have my in-reach. I know I can be safe in the mountain. That's great. I don't have to ask you the question because it was supposed to be the next one about your safety uh, gear. <laughs> yeah, my safety gear is... Uh, actually, this was... I've learned that in Antarctica uh -huh. because I had a huge issue in Antarctica. Oh. I was not the pilot. Uh, we were flying a DC-3 and uh, we we spent a whole day at the Oltana. Oltana is, um, is an incredible beauty. It's one of the most beautiful mountains you can find uh, in the world, I would say. Wow. It's a super beautiful mountain that is 800 meters high of sheer cliff orange in the middle of the ice. Wow. And uh, I've traveled all the world to base jump this mountain in 2009. Mm -hmm. And a few years later, I was invited on a, on a trip with some people who wanted to go there and also go to the South Pole and also listen to our stories we had on our expedition in Antarctica on Queen Maud Land. Mm -hmm. So we end up uh, having a picnic with these people at the bottom of the cliff with the DC-3, so landing with the DC-3, opening uh, everything, having a little walk, uh, having a little sandwich at the bottom of the cliff, explaining how we climbed the cliff, Uh, for over 10 hours and how we jumped the cliff with our wingsuit and how we end up staying at the bottom of this cliff for two months in complete autonomy 
to achieve our goal to base jump this cliff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we spent the ho- entire day and that was a really warm day. So the snow did melt on the skis of the DC-3. Mm. And uh, at the end of the day, the catapatic wind did start uh, blowing again and the ice did, uh, that was melting froze on the skis. Wow. And the first thing that you check as a glacier pilot is your skis and not having ice under the skis. Mm. And the pilot did not. Uh, we went all on board and he started, he tried to, so he started the engines and tried to take off, but we were stuck on the, on the snow. He went out, he just, uh, yeah, pushed a little bit, uh, the, some part of ice a little bit, cleaned, cleaned a little bit of the ice on the skis, but not so much and tried to take off again. But we couldn't take enough speed and suddenly we heated an, a big ice wave with the, with the plane oh. and we did the wrong takeoff and then the, we were like 20 meters above the ground and, and we stole down and landed straight uh, oh. on the ground. And in, in this moment, I was like, <laughs> no way I'm going to die is, uh, in in Antarctica, in a plane crash because of a stupid pilot did not clean the skis of the plane. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was really what I thought. I was like, I don't want to die because of the mistake of someone else. And I went, so when we landed, uh, when we crashed, actually, all the seats inside it broke. We were going against the wall. So oh. some people were injured. Um, but nothing really serious. Then we all went out of the plane and you are in Antarctica and for sure there is not another plane that will come and pick you up in the next one hour or 15 minutes. So what was cool is that we had all the gear. We had tents, we had stoves, we could make water, we could make food, we could, we could stay for a week without any problem, we mm-hmm. could survive. And that was for me a super good experience for that because I know now every time I prepare my, I prepare my, my bag for the mountain, I know, I, I have to know that I can be in autonomy to wait for the rescue and depends where I go. I understand um, that, for example, here, around here, the rescue can be... Um, can rescue me in an hour or maximum two hours, but this is nothing. I just need something for one or two hours and be able to send my, my alarm if uh, there is no uh, phone uh, cellular yes. connection. In Antarctica, is a bit different because we had to wait for, at, at the end, not seven days, only, only uh, six hours. Mm-hmm. Six hours later, we had already another DC-3 to come and pick us up. But that was quite weird to just, you just have crashed in the DC-3 and you have to, again, embark in the same DC-3 with mm-hmm. the same colors with another pilot, hopefully, <laughs> to take off and go back to the to the base. So that was a mm-hmm. super strong moment. <laughs> I cannot imagine, but uh, yeah, well, 
huge experience. Yeah. Mm. But all experience happened for a reason. And that's why now, you know, a lot of people, they see that I'm a base jumper, I'm a wingsuit pilot, I'm a plane pilot, I'm a snowboarder, freerider. Most of the people think that I'm totally mad and crazy uh, as, a, as a mom to still do all these extreme sports. But I'm, I love life. And even before being a mom, uh, I didn't want to kill myself at all. I always try to gain as much of experience as I could before I could uh do really what I wanted to do and exactly what I'm doing now with my plane. I waited 11 years to be able to go and land on glaciers and bring my snowboard with me to go riding faces. Uh, and all this experience I could gain in, in, uh, in this whole time make me feel really good now when I go flying in the mountains. Great. I totally agree. Everything comes in time and with experience. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yesterday I was talking with someone who wanted to start uh, base jumping. And, you know, now is the time where everybody wants to have everything really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly the same. Base jumping is not something you can learn quickly. And the more experience you have into skydiving and uh, into wind tunnel flying, the better you're going to be as a base jumper mm. and the same as a pilot, more hours you do, the best you're going to be. Mm. You have a, is, is the wind tunnel you are uh, flying in close to the wave garden, which just opened in Sion as yeah. well or same location? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. There is my hangar with uh -huh. my plane, uh -huh. the wind tunnel just next to it, five minutes away. And the <laughs> wave garden is just, uh, in uh, just below the down downwind of the Sion Airport, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's everything Everything's at the thing. same place. <laughs> ah, you're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, Sion is a place now. Yeah. So our region is just perfect. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know a little bit. I've been. I've, I started snowboarding in Arola. Mm, okay, in so it's really close to Arola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful place. I have to finish the questionnaire. I still have yep. uh, two questions. Yes. So the last uh, one of the last one, what would be your dream plane to fly into the backcountry or the mountains? Is there one specific airplane you're dreaming about to do what uh, you do? Yeah, to do what I do is uh, for sure Savannah with a turbo uh, <laughs> 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 with a turbo on, but a turbo that is working. Um, I would love that. And yeah, probably like a bigger Savannah with, where I could put a little bit, a little bit more things inside and not being always, uh, the one who need to uh, make huge calculation because uh, I'm scared to be too heavy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would love to have like, uh, the same plane as the Savannah with, uh, more capacity, mm -hmm. more weight capacity and, uh, uh, more, um, More power on the engine. Okay. <laughs> so basically a PC6 on, on, uh, on skis. <laughs> Actually, yes. A PC6 on, on skis. Or yes. a beaver for even more place inside. Yeah. 
PC6, actually, PC6, yeah, could be a good option. Mm. <laughs> But you can, yeah, can, you can land in a lot of places with mm. a PC6, yes. It's a good option. Yeah. <laughs> Lehan Valley is, is uh, flying a, B, a Turbo Beaver for, uh, for her work in the Alaska okay. range. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should check out. Huge, huge airplane. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's flying the Beaver. I think she has a private, her private plane is a Pacer, I think. But uh, for her work, she's flying a Turbo Beaver. Okay. Or an Otto. I'm, I don't remember, actually. Yeah. And, and you've never been in Alaska yet. Yes, oh. but for, uh, for filming uh, some snowboarding shots. Ah, cool. <laughs> But never for flying, but that for sure when when my baby is a bit bigger, mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go there oh, with yeah. him and land on the glacier. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's that's something I wanna do with him. But I'm already first of all looking forward to just bring him with me into yeah. my savannah and go landing on the glaciers and put his little skis on the back, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah, let's go with mommy. We go riding on the glaciers. <laughs> <That's> so, <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume you just answered again the, the final question, which was there, uh, do you have a dream location you have not been yet and where you would love to fly? There is two actually, yeah. There is... Um, There is Alaska, definitely. That's the first, the first one. But there is also a place where I would love to to fly. The, to fly, but why not with a with a twin? They're working now on an electric uh, twin engine, I think. Um, and I would love to have uh, one big plane like this and landing on the water around uh, Mayotte and Madagascar and ah. go around the island there. Mm -hmm. It's cool. so beautiful. Uh, electric twin otter, maybe. Yeah, they are working on an electric twin otter, uh -huh. I've heard, but I'm not sure. Uh, but on if there is on floats. Wow. Mm -hmm. But like, I would love to, or maybe um, a beaver uh, would be also a good option on floats. Yeah. And uh, being able to stay in Madagascar and Mayotte for a while and just fly around there, land on the water, stop wherever you want to stop. Surf. And yeah, or just listen to the whales, you know, mm -hmm. during the season of the whales. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I agree. The Maldives would be good as well. Okay. Yeah. I've never been to Maldives yet, but uh, yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's a it's a good spot. So especially to to start to surf on reef and uh, yeah, it was a great place. It is. A great uh, place. First, first I need to train at the at the wave garden in Sion uh, in Alaya Bay because I'm I'm really poor on surfing Oops. on a surfboard. I'm really um, really bad. <laughs> I'm sure it will come very quickly. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Home They have really good. They have really good coaches, yeah. so they are training me hard now. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Geraldine. It was a great discussion. Thank you, Maxime. Yeah. And uh, I hope to hope you come and visit us at the Croix de Coeur. Oh yeah. In Verbier, and uh, we can, or we can meet somewhere else in uh, 
sure in the air. It will happen very soon. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening and wow, what a wonderful person she is. I have to give a small apology for my crappy introduction because Geraldine was of course our first 100% lady pilot and yeah, we are really too many guys doing that. So it's so awesome to see such a person as Geraldine flying in our mountains. I have to give a big shout out to her little boy Odin who was sleeping the whole time next door and literally managed to wake up 30 seconds after we said bye. So Odin, you're really the best. I owe you one, definitely. <laughs> uh, also, please do not miss Geraldine's new movie, Ride Alec, which is now available on Vimeo. You can find the link on our website and of course on Geraldine's Instagram and website. This episode's book tip is Geiger Pilot de Glacier. I'm sorry, it is a very good book in only in French, I think. And Hermann Geiger is a legend in mountain flying in the Alps in Europe. Uh, so I will put the reference on our website. I hope some of you will be able to read that wonderful book. But for now, uh, let's work for the next podcast. I wish you all a great spring and I can't wait to fly in the mountains again. Take care. Bye. Bah ouais, c'est cool, parce que c'est vrai qu'il y a... Bah, L'aviation, c'est un... Enfin, là, je suis en plein dans un ouvrage d'Amélie Erhardt, justement, donc euh, ah. je trouve que... <rire> <rire> Toi qui connais bien l'aviation, tu dois sûrement connaître. Et puis, c'est vrai que bah, c'est cool aussi, de temps en temps... Enfin, moi, je ne suis pas une féministe. Hein. Je ne dis pas ça parce que, voilà, parce que je trouve qu'il faut parler que des femmes. Je trouve que c'est super intéressant, justement, d'inclure de, aussi des femmes et puis de montrer qu'il y a aussi des femmes qui font de la montagne en, en avion et puis, euh, puis qu'il n'y a pas que des hommes là-haut. Et puis, ah bah. c'est vrai que souvent, quand je pilote en, en montagne, eh ben, je ne croise que, que des mecs. Mais euh, voilà, il y a, y a de plus en plus de filles qui s'y intéressent aussi. Donc, mmh. c'est cool de, de pouvoir faire des podcasts de filles ouais. qui font de l'aviation la, de, de montagne aussi, des fois. C'est absolument mon souhait. Euh, je ne sais pas si tu as eu le temps de voir. Euh, L'épisode euh, numéro 8, c'était avec Arturo, Poloena mmh. et, euh, et sa compagne Elisa. Ouais. Et en fait... Euh, on s'était rencontré que deux trois fois au salon aéro à Friedrichshafen et ah oh, je suis encore pas allé ça j'aimerais bien aller ouais ouais bah j'espère que mm. tu pourras l'année prochaine <rire> peut-être ouais, <rire> ouais. c'est un peu <rire> avec le petit c'est pas simple non plus <rire> bah si si euh, je peux y aller en avion même avec des copains mm. mais euh, c'est vrai que c'est euh, c'est juste avec le covid on sait pas trop ah bah, on sait pas clair. Est clair. Quand est-ce que ça va se... Bon, ça a l'air d'aller dans le bon sens, là, mmh. mais bon, on verra. Et <rire> pour finir sur Elisa, 
C'était une, une, une belle surprise parce qu'elle elle vole depuis aussi longtemps que Arturo pratiquement et elle est aussi instructrice. Et mmh. elle fait aussi, euh, c'est elle, elle est autant, donc euh, elle fait autant du bush flying training que Arturo mmh. quand ils sont en Espagne en fait. Ok, excellent. Et euh, elle a un parcours qui est intéressant parce qu'elle est, euh, elle est avocate et juriste euh, euh, à côté. Et, mmh. et en fait, euh, elle fait ça quand ils sont en Espagne, elle, fait aussi, elle est instructrice en même temps et puis euh, le reste de l'année, normalement, ils passent six mois en Alaska. Oh, c'est trop beau quoi mmh. Donc, euh... Elisa Fernandez. Hein, c'est ça. ça. Ouais, ouais, ok, je suis dessus là. Je suis ça. en train de regarder euh, justement. Cool. J'irai voir alors. Et, euh, Trop bien. Ça va, je pense que ça, c'est vraiment l'épisode qui va sûrement t'intéresser euh, principalement. Et elle, elle vole PA18 alors Tout. Euh, tout. Euh, en fait, euh, Arturo et Elisa, ils, ont, euh, ils, ont des, ils sont revendeurs Lean euh, Aviation en Espagne. Ok. Donc ils en ont plusieurs qu'ils utilisent pour les, les bush flying training qu'ils font euh, chez eux. Et uh -huh. ils ont un super cub, euh, The Green Machine, euh, en Alaska. Voilà, donc okay. ils, volent, ils volent tous les deux dessus. Euh, mm -hmm. Ouais, ça. je les vois là ensemble. Mm. Et ouais, euh, ouais est un, elle, est, elle est super, super personnage aussi. Oh, c'est cool. Il y avait mm. aussi un joli film sur une fille qui fait beaucoup de bush flying, euh, surtout sur Glacier. Euh, ah. En Alaska, mais j'ai plus le nom maintenant en tête. J'avais vu un film sur cette fille. C'est Leihan Fale. Ah, elle a un possible. nom un peu spécial. Elle est maman aussi. Ouais, ouais, ouais. Là, là, ouais, elle... ouais, ouais. C'est ça. Fille. Elle a deux, deux, deux petites même. filles, ouais. Ouais, c'est ça. Ouais, ouais ça. je pense que c'est elle. Ouais. Et euh, bah, pour être honnête, euh, ça fait longtemps que je la suis aussi parce que, euh, parce que je l'ai découvert il y a pas mal d'années déjà. Et en mmh. fait, euh, euh, elle m'a fait... Euh, en fait, quand j'ai vu, je me suis dit, oh, mais oui, mais Géraldine aussi, euh, se... voilà. <rire> j'ai eu pas mal de parallèles parce qu'elle, elle, euh, elle était guide aussi, si tu veux, euh, avant. Ouais, ok. Et, euh, et donc, il y a plein de parallèles comme ça. 